Welcome to Gruesome, your horrific true crime podcast. I'm Meg, and my co-host, ShamWow enthusiast, Connie, is going to take us through episode 27, The Kicheva Monster. Yes, I will forgive your pronunciation. It's a tough one. Is it? Is but, it Kiche- what is it? Kicheva. 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 And I could also be pronouncing that wrong. If you are from Macedonia and you're like, uh, that's wrong, just let me know. Where's Macedonia? Oh, I'm going to give you a, a geography lesson. Okay. There we go. So here I am. The Republic of North Macedonia is a small country that was once a part of communist Yugoslavia before gaining its independence on September 8th, 1991. Fun fact. There was a lot of drama between Greece and Macedonia because they share a border. So Macedonia is the top part of the boot. Or not the boot, Greece. Italy's the boot. Sorry, guys. I know what I'm talking about a little bit. So following uh, World War II, Yugoslavia broke into six different republics. Um, Over the years, they have like all gained their independence. Greece is directly to the south of Macedonia. They would not recognize it, Macedonia, as a country because there's a region in Greece by the same name that holds Greece's second city. So they thought like, hey, they're trying to name it the same thing. Maybe they're trying to come in here and take over. (laughs) So it was a whole Politics are weird. (laughs) I know. It wasn't until 2019. So recent. Sheesh, yeah, way recent. (laughs) When the Greek parliament approved the new name, the Republic of North Macedonia, ending the dispute. So, Thus yeah. ending the dispute. Thus okay, ending cool. The, yeah. So, that's, so where you, that's where Macedonia is. Gotcha. Correct. In North, the Republic of North Macedonia, fourth wordage purposes, I'm just going to refer to it as Macedonia. I know it's the North I know it's the Republic of North Macedonia, but I'm not. It's fine. There is a small town by the name of Kicheva. It's a mountain city with a little less than 30,000 people living there. In the entire area of Kicheva, there's about 55,000 people who live there. So I'm assuming that means like the countryside and like the region itself. Okay. Um, And then the actual city, there's less than 30,000. It's considered a pretty safe area, low crime rates, you know... Anytime I don't know stories. anything about the crime rates in uh, Greece or Macedonia or Yugoslavia, but like they sound scary to me. Yeah, I think Yugoslavia sounds scary because like I attribute it to being communist. That's not the case anymore, but it's just I it's mean, like our parents' Cold War mentality, just like mm-hmm. that they they hammered into yeah. us too. Yeah. So in May of two thousand three, Gorisa Pevzleka went missing from her home. She was an elderly woman who worked as a cleaning lady. She lived alone. There were no reports of any screams or any struggles overheard, and there were no signs of a forced entry or a struggle within her apartment. When the police spokesperson reported on her abduction, he's like, hey, we're not investigating a murder, just a case. This is just a case of a missing woman. She has never been seen again. Never, never, never. Never, never, never. Oh, I hate when we do grandmas. Mm-hmm. Up until this point, the term serial killer, mass murderer, any of these, people of Macedonia, uh, they thought it was just something that happened out in West, like something that happened in movies. This is never, there had been nothing like this, what we're going to discuss, that had ever happened there. So it was, you know, they were like, okay, she probably just went to work. Something happened. Maybe she just moved. We don't know. Like they never 
a murder was never even thought like that could have happened. Oh, crazy. Mm-hmm. Just goes to show you the American media is like so yeah. intense that they're like, oh, no, no, no. That only happens out West. Yeah. They're like murders. Not here. On November 16th, 2004, Mitra Slisnova went missing from her apartment. Once again, when reporting on her disappearance, the police emphasized that they were investigating a disappearance, not a murder. There were no signs of a struggle at her apartment, no forced entry, and once again, there were no reports of anyone screaming for help. I watched videos of the areas where the crimes were committed, and they were, I see why they emphasize so much, like, we didn't hear anything, no one else heard it. The houses are very close together, and, like, in the apartments, they're very close together. Um, Like, the buildings are very close. So, that was a big thing. Everyone knew everyone. Okay. So. Close-knit community. mm Mm-hmm. And so, it led people to think, okay, if there was a struggle, someone would have heard it. Mm Mm-hmm. Nearly Two months later, on January 12, 2005, a body was found wrapped in plastic in a hole near a steel stanchion, which is a big steel beam, where a new sports center was being built. Her body was discovered by a scrap collector. Her legs had been tied with telephone cables. She had been placed in an upright position, so she was like sitting upright. She was covered with old clothes and rubber. The forensic examination would determine that she had been brutally beaten raped and strangled with a telephone cord that bound her legs. Oh my gosh. Yes. And by the advanced decomposition of her body, she had been murdered a couple weeks prior, meaning she had been held captive for almost a month prior to her murder. Oh, whoa. Body was identified identified as Mitra's. And at the time of her murder, the police had no leads and the they were wondering if the crime would ever be solved because there was nothing. It was a the dumping ground, like where the sports center was being built, that was all like you weren't supposed to be there. There were no tire tracks. There was nothing, just her body. Mm, and also if it doesn't, if it's not a common thing, they're not going to yep. know. They don't have the forensics. They don't have the team that is like equipped to handle stuff like this. Yeah. So the police thought they had a break in the case when unfortunately that same year, so December of 2004, Two men broke into the home of Radoslav Bazahovsky, an elderly man. They It was told that they were either drunk or high, or high on drugs. It depends which article you read. The men beat and brutally raped the man before robbing him for 20 or 30 euros, which is like $25 in American money. Uh, poor old man. Ante Riseski and Igor Morcheski. Two different people. They're not related. They were both in their 20s. They were later arrested, and their DNA matched the DNA that was collected at the scene from the man's home. They were also convicted of the murder of Mitra because of the manner in which they were both brutally murdered. They were like, hey, you know what? These are pretty similar. Must have done it. Makes sense. During the trial, both men accepted responsibility for murdering the man, but they maintained they were not responsible for Mitra's murder. Regardless, both of them were convicted for both murders and sentenced to life in prison. So at this point, the city's like, hey, we're safe. The men responsible for the brutal murders were behind bars. And I use the term brutal like lightly because I'm not even going to go into the details of the crime scene for Radoslav because it is horrific and awful and no one should have to hear what they did to this poor man. But for A the different most, poor man or that poor man? Th- that poor man. Okay. Yeah. Same poor man. But for the most part after this, like life in Kicheva went back to normal. But like, of course there's more, right? Yeah. But wait, there's, there's more. more. 
For three years, things were pretty quiet in the town until November 2007, exactly three years after the appearance of Mitra, another woman from the same neighborhood, Lubika Lakoska, went missing. She left mid-morning to go get groceries for her family for lunch, but she never made it to the grocery store. Her The grocery store was less than two blocks away. So she was abducted in a very short It'd always area. be like that. So they're always like yeah. almost home. You're almost almost home. there. Lubika was a 56-year-old custodian. She was described as a gentle and quiet woman. She worked as a janitor to feed her family. Her son, Duco, went to apartments where she worked to search for clues and to, like, knock on doors saying, like, hey, do you have any idea who could have done this to my mom? Like, do you have any idea where she could be? Was anyone, like, following her? Did she have any problems? But he told the police, like, he couldn't find any trace of her or anyone that knew anything about what could have happened to his mom. Her family's worst fears were confirmed when her body was discovered on the mountain pass on Gostivar Kacheva Road. The manner of her death was identical to Mitra's. She had been brutally raped, strangled with a telephone cord, and stuffed into plastic. She was missing for three months before her body was found, but the medical examiner put the time of her death as a few days prior, meaning she was also held for quite some time before her murder. Oh my gosh, that's wild. Yeah. I was thinking in my head, did I miss how long she said mm-hmm. it was before they found it? And you told me, and I... Yep. Ugh. So, town is back to being like, what the hell's going on? The men who committed Mitra's murder were behind bars. How could they have done this? Like, they're, they were sentenced. They were the ones who did this. Like, how could a woman be murdered in the same fashion? Wait, is there a copycat murderer? This is, only, this is something we only see in movies from the Great West. <laughs> that they, just, they just talk about what the townspeople didn't know is there had been a huge cover-up that was quietly brushed under the rug. The examiner had found trace DNA on Mitra's body, and it did not match the DNA of the two men who were convic- convicted for her murder. Oh, rude. Instead of, letting, yeah, instead of letting the public know, they just discarded the findings and just let the two men take the fall. It was easier to be like, hey, we did this. We are hard police work. We solved both of these murders. So for three years, they could have been investigating her murder, but it was just easy to be like, hey, look, we solved the case. All right, bye. Please move on. Because serial killer wasn't a thing. Why so would did they did they keep that DNA? Did they have mm-hmm. it still? Okay, so they, they still had, had so it. They had the sample. They just did not release that it was not a match. It was a huge, gross misconduct on their part. Okay. Yeah, that sucks. I just, and, in my head, I was like, they just threw it in the trash can. But with this next murder, all of the findings being like, oh, hey, by the way, those two men, like they did kill that guy, but they did not kill Mitra. And we've known that. Sorry. Please move on and don't. Or bad. Yeah. The DNA sample from Lubika and Mitra, they did match. Of course they did. Mm -hmm. So someone's holding women hostage. But Lubika. Lubika was older and Mitra was younger? They're both considered like elderly women. So Lubika was 56. 56 and Mitra was around the same age. They were both like within 10 years of each other. Okay. So they are. Mm-hmm. He older has women. a. Yeah. Elderly Mature women. women. Mature, seasoned, and they both had jobs as either cleaning ladies or custodians. And the woman who had went missing was also custodian at the same place no just okay that's just, just in general mm-hmm. 
So who supplies cleaning supplies? That Sorry, was my I, first thought. I was like, I'm, I'm going to solve this case before you're done. <laughs> it was at this point that the murderer was being dubbed the Kicheva monster. And for the first time, an article reported that the murders were the work of a serial killer because the DNA profiles matched for both women. But before investigators could really dive in on who could be committing these murders for these women, a third woman was abducted. Oh, my god! Technically, a fourth. It would have been a fourth woman, they, but they were not acknowledging the missing woman from first. 2003. Yep. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. We'll get to that in just a second. Zivana Temelkoska, and I apologize if I butchered that last name. She was sitting at home on May 7, 2008, when she got a call from a friend saying that this friend had heard a radio broadcast report that Zivana's son, Zoran, had been involved in a car accident. So she gets the call and she's like, holy crap. Like I, and her friend's like, you should rush to the hospital. Like you should go to I the hospital. Go. Yeah. yeah. So she, and like, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't someone pretending to be her friend. It was like her legitimate, uh, it was a legitimate friend. So neighbors saw Zivana racing out of her house towards the hospital looking worried. But while she was gone, her son Zoran came home to find his mother was gone. You can understand his confusion when he was told that his mom went to the hospital to check on him because he had been in an accident because there was no accident. What? His mother was lured out of the house on purpose. And like I said, the phone call was real. The radio broadcast was real. The radio station had been hoaxed. The radio station put this information out thinking that like it was true. What? That's mm-hmm. wild. Zivana was a 65-year-old woman who worked as, can you guess? A custodian? Mm-hmm. Ugh. About a week later, a woman was walking near a kindergarten when she heard what she thought. It sounded like a phone ringing, so she walked towards it. She picks up the phone. She's like, hello. And the person on the other end was like, who is this? Where are you? What are you doing? Stay put. It was the police because they had been calling her phone to try and find out like where she was. She stayed put. It was just a phone. Her Zivana's phone had been discarded. Oh. Unfortunately, her body was found a couple days later, which was a change from the previous abductions because those women had been kept for at least a month before they were murdered. Mm-hmm. But this had been, you know, nine days total from date of abduction to day of like her body had been found. Her body was brutalized. It was awful compared to the other two. Not that it makes it any like So better. they're getting worse. They're getting mm-hmm. scarier. Exactly. She was found naked in an open field next to a soccer stadium. She had been brutally beaten. She had n- numerous broken ribs, 13 stab wounds to the head. I'm going to give you a trigger warning because it's going to get head. a little rough to the head. She had been brutally raped. A vial of aftershave had been left in her vagina. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Cotton and gauze had also been left in her anal cavity. Yeah. It was – yeah, like what the hell? It's getting worse and he is – I say he, but I don't know. Is this person – it seems like they're getting sloppier about discarding bodies Mm -hmm. too. Examiners were also able to extract semen from her body. Once again, DNA sample matched the two previous victims. It was during this time when the neighborhood was like, wait a second, Gorica, or she went missing in 2003. Like I said, they thought she had had like a stroke or something on her way to work. But now they're like, wait a second, she looks like these other women. All of the women looked similar. They all had the same occupation. So now elderly women in the town were terrified. Scared, yeah. And although there was a clear victimology, no one knew how he was selecting his victims. 
the Kicheva monster had people terrified to leave their house. Police were working around the clock to solve these murders because they had never experienced anything like this. I guess in 1991, prior to them becoming independent, assailants from other countries had like come in and caused a ruckus. Mm -hmm. And they said it was nothing. It was nothing even like that. It was nothing like the invasion. So this is like big thing for them. But surprisingly, narrowing down the list of suspects was actually pretty simple for the police. They knew the murderer had to be physically fit enough to carry a dead body Mm -hmm. because there were no car tracks. There were only about 8,000 males in town. Many of them were either too young or too old to fit the physical stature that was needed. They knew the women were all coming from one specific neighborhood because when I tell you like neighborhood, they could shout to each other. That's how close that they lived. They were all in a very, very small radius. There was never any evidence of a struggle. No one ever heard a struggle, which meant the murderer was a local man. Someone they knew. Yep. The DNA profile further narrowed it down. It's reported that the DNA profile, the murderer had type B blood. The list was narrowed down to 10 men from 150 due to the DNA profile. Did they They go get blood samples from all these guys? They were all brought in. They were all, they had to give alibis. They all had to give DNA samples. On June 22nd, 2008, a freelance editor by the name of Ognan Chenkaris had gotten a call from a contact that the police officers had made an arrest in the case. So he calls his go-to journalist who had been covering the case extensively, Vlado Tineski. So he could like go to the station, get firsthand, like, hey, go take care of this. Find out who's responsible. We we need to break this story because it's going to be huge news. Vlado Tineski was born in 1952, was born and raised in Kicheva. His parents, Treran Gorisa, had also lived in Macedonia for their entire lives. His dad served in World War II, worked in a lumber factory following. His mom worked as a cleaner at the local hospital. His parents were considered disciplinarians and were very strict. Vlado's younger brother moved out of the house and his parents said, you can never move back here. Like, we're, we're not family. And they never spoke to him again. Whoa. Okay. That's one way to do it. Yeah. Meanwhile, most people are like, hey, it's time. Gotta go. When his older sister, Trayanka, moved out of the house because she got married and started a family, Vlado was left to care for his parents. He discovered a love for journalism. He started working at a local radio station. During the communist era, he worked at Um, a factory, but he eventually got a job at Nova Macedonia, which is the state's leading state-sponsored newspaper. He met his wife, Vesna, in the 70s. She was actually the first certified female lawyer in town. Good for her. For Hell yeah, girl power. Yeah, not good for what I think is coming, but good for her. (laughs) He moved his wife in with his parents because apparently if you move out of that house, you don't have a family. (sighs) Sheesh. Together, Vlado and Vesna had two sons. His oldest son, Zvanko, was a leading academic, linguist, and poet. His youngest son, Igor, was serving as a doctor in the Macedonian army. They were described as a very close-knit family who mostly kept to themselves. In 2004, Vesna was offered a promotion by the Ministry of Education as a university inspector in Skopje, the capital of Macedonia. Another geography fact of the day. (laughs) At this point, they had been married for about 31 years, 
And she said people assumed that because she moved to the capital that they were separated, but it was quite the opposite. He waited for the day that they could move with her. He was super proud of her career. They spent the weekends like together, split between the two towns. In 2002, so he, this is where it's a little weird. He had cited his parents and his career as the reason why he couldn't leave. Mm -hmm. But in 2002, so she officially moved in 2004. 2002, obviously two years prior, it's reported that his father hung himself. Oh, okay. His father had spent most of the last couple years of his life at the family's summer cottage, like raising goats, planting fruits, and just staying to himself. Sounds like the life. December of 2002. So again, two years prior before his wife moved, but he couldn't leave because of his parents and their house. Mm-hmm. His mother died from an accidental overdose on sleeping pills. Oh, mm-hmm. but he said he couldn't move in 2004. Because Because of of everything with his parents. But his parents were both dead by that point. And she knew that. She was kind of like, okay. What an understanding wife she must have been. Mm -hmm. She must be? I don't know. Go on. Blato worked at the uh, Nova Macedonia until 2003 when the newspaper let him go. The reasoning for his termination depends on who you ask because she says that he was let go because the newspaper was going through a shakeup. While f- other reporters at the paper said he was his writing was not good, <laughs> he had been a news he had been at the paper for over twenty years, and during that time he could write about whatever he wanted. Communist uh, country, he could write about whatever he wanted as long as he didn't like go too heavy on the government. The job had like good pay and benefits, so he like hyped it up. He's like, "Yeah, I'm doing all these great things," but like some of his colleagues were like, "Yeah, he if he didn't have a, an idea, he would just steal it from other people." Like his writing was like, "Eh, yeah." All right. He liked the sensation of releasing a story. After he was let go, he started doing freelance writing, and he covered all of the events in the small town of Kicheva. He was in the courtroom in the press box when Ante and Igor, the two previous men. We're on trial for the murder of Mitra and Radoslav. He wrote an article like in very dramatic fashion describing the trial. When Lubika was murdered, he went to her house to speak to her son, her daughter, and her sister regarding the murder, asking them what kind of creature could do such a thing. Who do you guys think it could be? Like, did she have any enemies? Like, have the police let you know anything? When Zivana was murdered. What an MFR. When Zivana was murdered, he went to her house, spoke with her son, offering condolences and kindness. He seemed to have all of the information regarding the murders, like he had the inside scoop, which is why it was no wonder that his edit his editor that we speak I've talked about, Ognen, called him to report on the arrest of the Kicheva monster. Yeah. Why not? He could, yeah. It's like this guy always knows. When he couldn't get a hold of Vlado after calling him like three or four times. Which, when I watched an interview that Ognen gave, and he was like, come on, now is not the time. You answer any other time. This is not the time for you not to answer your phone. He finally decided, he's like, I'm going to call the police station. Because he thought that Vlado was already there, getting the inside scoop. I bet he was already there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> the deputy asked him, like he called to say, hey, have you guys caught the Kicheva monster? When the police officer asked him, hey, do you have a correspondent in this area? He responded, yes, Vlado Tineski. He's been covering the cases for us. He's been writing about it. 
The officer responded, Not anymore, you don't. Oh, snap. Mic drop. What? Unbeknownst to Oakman, 4 o'clock the previous day, officers surrounded Vlado's home where they arrested him without incident. Turns out he had been a long-time suspect for the police. He had? He had started reporting about the murders in great detail. He wrote how they were strangled and bound with telephone cord. Police never released that information. Oh, what a dummy. Oh, my God. We love a dumb criminal. We do. (laughs) He released details regarding how many stab wounds Ivana had suffered from. Another detail police had never released. The and at first, reading this, like, hey, what the? Yeah, uh, and at guys? first, they just thought he had an informant within the because the cops. It's no secret the cops were crooked as hell. Like it Everywhere, was all over yeah, the world. They could be paid to give out information, so they just assumed that they were buying, that was what was, was happening. Yeah, okay, that's fair. But then they realized all three victims lived in that neighborhood where Vlado lived. Lubico was his neighbor. <gasps> oh, All of these women had known him his entire life. They went to his wedding, his son's wedding. They knew his mother. And remember, they knew that the victims knew their murderer because there was never any sign of a struggle. There was never a struggle, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh. Ironically, Lubica's sister... When he came to talk to her, he had already suspected. She had suspected that he was the murderer because Lubico was wearing a green robe that her sister recognized as being Vlado's mother's, which is something that Vlado's wife confirmed. That's crazy. A psychologist on the case said when they were developing this profile, they were like, he's got to be built. He's got to, you know, be in good shape. He's suffered something traumatic in his life. He lost his parents, lost his mom. And if they were not very kind to him, because his wife said that he was never, he was kind, he was considerate, he was caring. The only time he was ever aggressive was with his parents. You can have a strong bond to your parents and it's and it doesn't have to be fueled by love it can be fueled by hate and that is sometimes even stronger so was he keeping them hostage at that apartment then that was close to everyone i'll tell you in just a second okay Ugh. yeah so his blood and dna sample came back it was a match confirmed surprise surprise he was officially charged on june 22nd 2008 so just a couple days later yeah um, the judge had ordered him to be held in custody for 30 days before his trial. I wish I could tell you that it was like a cut and dry trial and there wasn't more like what the hell stuff, but I'm about to blow your mind. Hooray. I'm so excited. So the jails were notoriously overcrowded in the area. So he was transferred to a town about 70 kilometers away in Titovo. The judge confirmed that he was admitted to the jail in good health. But a lot of people were like, wait, why is he going all the way over there? Like, why could they have not made room for such a high-profile prisoner in Kacheva? But they kind of just, like, brushed it off. Like I said, he was considered high-profile prisoner, so he was to be kept under careful attention. He was supposed to have his own cell. But because this jail was also overcrowded, which is like, hmm. What's the point? Yeah, like, yeah. you just took him from one overcrowded jail to another overcrowded jail he- even farther away. He shared a cell with three other inmates. Two of his inmates were 
they're under charges of irregularities surrounding parliamentary elections. So they were just like messing with politics. The third was facing trial for poisoning and murdering a 14-year-old girl. So he's a douchebag. Oh. Due to water shortages, the prison had no water supply during the day. They were given bottles of drinking water, plastic to drink, and then plastic buckets with tap water for washing for throughout the day. They were able to use water again at night when the shortages, like the restrictions were lifted. On the morning of June 24th, 2008, one of Vlado's cellmates woke up to the sound of running water. He noticed Vlado wasn't in his bed, so he went to the bathroom to see what was going on. There he found Vlado Tineski on his knees with his head in a bucket of water. It appeared that he had committed suicide by drowning himself. So he called for the guards. But at this point, like the cellmates had pulled him out of the water. So the guards moved his body into the hallway, completely ruining any type of scene that could have been left behind. Yeah. Aren't you supposed to leave him there until like. Oh, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And this isn't like the 50s, 60s and 70s. Like this is like now kind of 20 years ago now. better. The doctor confirmed like, oh, yeah, he's dead. An autopsy later revealed that aside from he had a bump on his head where I guess I've never drowned. But I guess when you're drowning, you spasm. So he had like hit his head um, once they got him out. There were no other marks on his body. There were water. There was water in his lungs, which was consistent with drowning. There was a letter in his pocket that said, told the guards to look under his pillow. There they found another letter saying, quote, I am proud of my family and I love them very much. I have not done any of the things I am accused of. I did not commit these murders. Now, for as many people who thought that Vlado couldn't have committed these murders, there were even more people that thought his death wasn't a suicide. Even his editor who thought it was weird. So the editor that was trying to call him was like, okay, the reason I think that he definitely murdered these women were from a journalism standpoint, if I get arrested for a murder, I'm going to immediately call my lawyer and then I'm going to call my journalist friends to wait outside for me so I can give a statement saying, I did not do this. I am not a murderer. I, this is, you know, this is wrong. He did none of that. He never asked for a lawyer. He never made a statement. He was at the, like he was being, he was questioned for 20 hours and never said a word. Oof. Just sat there like hmm. 20 hours straight. Yeah. Didn't snap. But he said, I do believe he murdered these women, but I do not believe he committed suicide. Which, after I started reading, like what happens to your body as you're drowning, I could see that. Cause so we think the guy, like one of his inmates, one of the other inmates drowned him. So the theory, the theory is that. The government did it. Oh. Because Because the death penalty isn't there, right? You know, that I'm not sure of, but it made it very cut and dry. So he was found um, with antidepressants in his pocket, fluoxetine, which one of the side effects of it could be like suicidal thoughts um, in Macedonia. pocket in jail? Yeah, like, yeah. Well, it's over the counter and it's a medication. Oh, okay. You know, it's. I don't know. I would assume different it would world. take a different world. We, you know, it's different here. Get antidepressants over the counter. That's pretty but sick. It takes a lot of determination 
to drown yourself because your body's natural reflex is going to like, be to lift up out. out of the water. That's what I was thinking. Like, how do you drown and he yourself? And himself in a bucket of water. Like, not like – it was like a small bucket. Think of like a mop bucket. You know, I read that you can drown in a tablespoon of water. It's true if you – I guess. Maybe I, if you pass out with like your teaspoon in your face. I don't know how that works. But, but as a journalist who like the sensationalism – having the mystery surround his death could be exactly what he wanted. Uh, what a turd. handwriting was confirmed in both letters to be Vlados. They searched the summer home that his family owned where they found the materials used in the murders, rope, cords, plastic. With the goats and the fruit. Mm-hmm. So well, sad. Well, I don't know if the goats were there at that point, but yeah. I'm going to pretend like they were just because I really like goats. DNA evidence, and I'm going to use the voice that they said when in the video I watched, and pornographic material? <laughs> that's how they said it. Like, oh my God, the audacity. <laughs> you watch porn, you have to commit these murders. <laughs> they all do. But for many people, it was too tightly wrapped up. There are still... A lot of people, a lot of people he worked with, his wife, they are convinced he was set up and he was framed because he wrote a lot of articles really just shitting on the investigators and the police officers for how horrible of a job they were doing and like how the DNA evidence from the two men. So his wife still doesn't think he did it? His wife does not think he did it. Even though the DNA matched and they think they it was found planted. the materials. Uh huh. They think it was all planted because when investigators over the course of that many years, though, uh, I don't buy it. I'm just it. reporting. I think he did it. I think reporting. he did it, and he was so conspiracists think that. So when the house was searched, where all this evidence was found, there was no one there except for the investigators. There was not like anyone is it, like is overseeing. that not normal? Well, typically you have. People, like you have the investigators on the case, but you have other forensics. There was only like two or three investigators who were like, oh, look at all the stuff that we found. And like, that was it. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like I said, a lot of people believe he was framed. I believe he is what horror stories are made of. What I get asked often, are you a serial killer? Because you have a podcast. <laughs> Are you? Yeah, this is our alibi. I think he hated the idea that he was fired from a job because he did a shitty job. That he, you have the, it's almost like you have that within you to do all these things. Like you have this dysfunction and then something traumatic like your mom dies because all of the women looked like his mom. All of the women were cleaners like his mom. Murder started after his mom died. One of the women issues. One of the I women guess. found wearing her – she was wearing his robe or her, his Are mom's Are you, like, robe. picturing, like, a Norman Bates situation? Because I, I absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> like, dressing – It's like – Pretending like then, he's, like, beating his mother. If he didn't, then how did he know all this stuff? Like, how did he know all these details? It's just – and then to add the insult of, like, going to the victim's family's That's home. the worst. Then, like, who do you think did it? What kind of monster? And do you remember the article where I said the term serial killer? Like, this is absolutely the work of a serial killer. Mm-hmm. It was his article. He was <gasps> the first one to report that it was a serial killer who was doing it. That bitch. Yeah. Oh, what? So, yeah, He's that's like, a story guys, of it's a serial a, killer. Who it's reported a serial it killer. 
I know, I have it on good authority <laughs> that yeah. it's a serial killer. Hey guys, wow, what the but heck? But it's like I understand if you have this image of someone like, oh, my husband could never. I mean, I would have a hard time if my husband turned out to be. I would have a hard time believing that. Like, whoa, I had never saw that. Coming. I wouldn't. I'd be like, yep. I, and I expected this. John Vincent Gillis, <laughs> when he was arrested in front of his girlfriend, she was like, whoa, wait. What's happening? They're just like, really good at like that double life, like yeah. having, and turning it on only when they feel safe like, to. Think something was weird that he didn't move with you. He had been fired from his job and his parents were dead and he still cited his career and like his parents as a reason not to move. Yeah. Even at that point, like those issues run deeper than. I would have thought he had an affair. Like yeah. I'd have been like, oh, you right? want to come? You have a girlfriend? Who is she? But good, good for her for just staying and like doing her job. And I guess she said he was proud of her. So she didn't have a reason not to. But maybe she had a boyfriend. I don't know. She's like, all right, it's fine. Too. Don't come. Like, don't come. <laughs> good. Don't go. Because she said Oops. he anxiously awaited when he could move there. But like this is over four years. Like the murders spanned four years. But they had been together for 31 years, so maybe mm -hmm. at that point you're just like, yeah. whatever. I'll see I you when I see you. <laughs> yeah. Never. But yeah, I now I will say the details, the details surrounding his suicide are a little questionable, but he also murdered women and then reported about it. So he could just want the story, want the, the notoriety. Yeah. Like, oh, he did it. Wow. That's fudged up, man. Yeah. Isn't it? I have been asked before, like more times that I would like to admit, oh, so like, are you going to report on your own crimes one day? No. But now that I know it really happens, I'm not going to joke about it anymore. <laughs> That's fair. No one's asked me that. I don't talk to that many people, though, outside of my own house and you. <laughs> At work, like. Because I kind of kept that I had a podcast, like kind of quiet for a minute. And then I was yeah, like, yeah, I don't bring it up very often. Now I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm a super famous podcaster. <laughs> you have to do it to uh, manif manifest it into real life. That's what you have it to was, do. Speak it your all, truth. It was it. The conversation started when we when uh, Joe's TikTok went like kept going viral. And I was like, yeah, yeah no big Connie's deal. Like, TikTok has over a million views now. And if you have followed this podcast from the beginning and you've seen us, like, I don't do, I've done like three. Yeah. I don't do hers, them hers got a million views. <laughs> and <laughs> that's why I'm like, you have to do more because the people want to see you. No, it gives me even more anxiety that a million people have seen my face and I'm like, Ooh, yikes. <laughs> yeah. I think uh, about it sometimes, but, uh, it's like I said, the profile said to a T like he would have experienced trauma and they were he just kind of, yeah. So do we think his mom actually accidentally overdosed on sleeping pills? Because that had me question like, mm, maybe not. Oh yeah. I hadn't considered it. I feel like maybe she did. And that's just like what. That triggered it. Yeah. Like triggered it because it I would be like both of your parents killed themselves to get away from you almost. Mm -hmm. which makes sense because he gave up everything to live with them yeah he was kind the of... only sibling that stayed there he moved his entire family he that would be my in... mentality if i yeah, had I been in that same That's situation one, yeah. like they they left me on purpose 
which is why he kept, you know, he kept two of the women for as long as he did. Yeah, that's oof. I I don't want to think about what was happening there, but I definitely have those. They are very the details are very they didn't even release most of them because that's how horrific they were. But do you I know think how old like, he was at this point when he um, was caught? He was born in Has he been married for 30 years already? And was he in Yeah, his I think 50s? he was like in his late 50s, 56, maybe. But I watched and I'll link um I will link the video that I watched called Murder He Wrote, which was very clever. But it's just very it's insane. That's like a level of psycho. Yeah. I can't believe there hasn't been like a made for TV movie about that. Well, I mean, there's like Nightcrawler. That's about like a journalist who reports on murders that he's oh, committing. Yeah. And uh there's another one too, but I can't think of the name about it, name of it. <sighs> what a bummer. Mm-hmm. But I think uh I think his last victim, he rushed it because he wanted the story. Like he wanted because he had oh, been pitching yeah. these stories and he wanted he's like, I need another one. Yeah, and it was way brutal because I don't feel if his ritual w- was to keep these women for as long as they did, because I'm going to assume the very first woman when she went missing, he absolutely had something to do with that. Cause that yeah. was less than a year after his mom died. So And we never could like we couldn't find mm-hmm. out where she was. No. That sucks. So She's never been found. No. So in 2004 is when he was let go from – he didn't have a reason to write about her then. But he was let go from his newspaper job in 2004. Mm-hmm. So it's like he was freelance at that point. He only got paid if he had good stories. Oh, okay. I guess that's what I – like you were saying he was laid off, but in my head I thought it was a different newspaper and he got a job at another. But he, No, he how- was free – like he would have to pimp out his stories because he didn't have – like if he didn't – if his stories didn't get bought, he didn't get paid. So he was the – he started – like he would report on like little things that was happy, happening around town. Like he always had like in the know – Mm-hmm. He would criticize like the police department and stuff. And then his big – he got thrust into the limelight because he was reporting on the Kachevo monster. But he was the Kachevo monster, which is why I think um, his first victim's body, she was never found because he had no reason to report on her because he had a steady good-paying job at that point. So weird. Mm-hmm. I think he would have been a serial killer regardless of his occupation. It's just – but I feel like I never hear about serial killers that – start when they're older is that it always seems like they're like in their 30s his 50s the new 30 or it could have just been the trauma of his yeah that parents true. that kind and then it just kind of the trauma snapped and the everything and- mm-hmm. because yeah. like we see it you get like stockholm syndrome where even though these you know your parents are horrible to you it's like you're like i'm going to stay yeah i love them they love me we take care yeah, of each this other this is how this is how they t- show me they love me yeah Ooh. <laughs> yeah that one was a bummer i mean i do i do love a twisted ending though so mm-hmm. thank you for that honestly like i was reading about it and i'm like this is so this is a movie uh when you said that guy called his reporter that was on the job. I knew who it was because I remember briefly reading about this like mm-hmm. a while ago. 
probably last year. Yeah, it's when I was like looking for cases and I was like, oh, yeah, I like I hadn't remembered it, though. I blinked out on it. So that is a good one. I mean, not a good one. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's a crazy one. Like we the I'll link um, one of the sources that I have where it it has his articles where he was reporting on these murders and he was. I mean, they were very, like, dramatically written. It's very, like, he was, like, criticized. Yeah, yeah, very I would, like to, I would like to see them. I'd like to, re- like, maybe see a clip of one or something that I can. Yeah, absolutely. I'll even screenshot it and put it in one of the pictures that we put on Instagram to see. Yeah, that'll little, work. That'll work. I'd like to. taste of it. I'd like to know. But, yeah, that's the story. Well, thank you for that. We hope you guys loved it. Yeah, <laughs> we have. Our Patreon only. This is your last chance to sign up. Our Patreon only episode drops this weekend. Whoop, whoop. We're going to tag team it. Hey. I don't have anything else. That's all. Yeah. Uh, oh, and then this weekend we are also, I'm going to say this and I hope this is correct. We're going to do a live question and answer. I think that's this weekend, right? Yeah. We're going to do a Q&A for patrons. Yeah. Patrons only. Got to hop in on that. So if you're there. We're going to do that. What day is that? Sunday? Uh, Saturday. Saturday. We're going to do it one of these days. And we're, we're going to probably do it Saturday. <laughs> yeah, Saturday because my husband's gone. They can get real wild. <laughs> Gruesome after dark. <laughs> Ask us the real questions. Hey. But yeah, that's it. Thank you so much for listening to Gruesome Horrific True Crime. We love you, beautiful strangers. And if you love us too, and you'd like us to keep putting out ad-free content, here are some of the ways that you can help support Gruesome. You can leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. This helps other true crime connoisseurs find us, and you get a I-knew-them-before-they-were-famous moment. Follow Gruesome Podcast on Instagram and talk to us on our posts. Engage with us. We love to hear from you there. If you'd like to send a donation, we have a Patreon. Sign up to join our True Crime Sticker of the Month Club and to gain access to exclusive Patreon perks. If a one-time donation is more your thing, you can find our Venmo at Gruesome Podcast and our PayPal using our email, gruesomepodcast at gmail.com. Speaking of which, we love hearing from you. It seriously makes our whole life. So send us questions, comments, suggestions, or just ask our opinion on whether or not that person you met on Tinder is a serial killer or not. Tune in next week and don't forget, lock your windows, lock your doors, and on Wednesdays, we're We're gruesome. gruesome. Bye. Bye.